0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets.
1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in this lovely, well, a little overcast huh? Sunday. <laughs> Maybe not so lovely here in L.A. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. So um, send me your questions as they come in. We'll uh, we'll talk anything you want to talk about pets. Now is the time to do it. So uh, if you have any questions, how to get a hold of me, you can go on live. Uh, Just join us here on Pet Life Radio or on Instagram. On Pet Life Radio, you go to PetLifeRadio.com click on shows, go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And there's a Zoom link left for you there. And all you have to do is just click on the link, be there with your pet, preferably, and um, we can talk about and ask questions. So interesting, this week, I saw a dog about, oh, it was probably Monday or Tuesday. And um, we took x-rays because it swallowed their baby's pacifier. Now, we're not talking a little pacifier. We're talking a big, this thing must have been like the base of it was like two inches. It was huge. So anyway, you could see it on the x-ray. In fact, if you're going to go on, we're going to post it on, on my uh, Instagram. You, can, <laughs> you have to see this. It was very, rather large and very obvious that there was the pacifier in that stomach and it was too big. It would never pass through the pylorus. It would never have gone up the cardia back into, to vomit them up. So to make them vomit would be worthless. And even to go in with a scope, it was so big. And we've tried this before. The grabbers, when you go in with that scope, down The esophagus into the stomach would not be able to hold that pass, it was just too big, it would not have fit, fit through anyway. So, it was something that obviously um, we had to go in surgically. So, went in surgically, and now, interestingly, on the initial x rays, you could see them, you could kind of see. I say, when it comes to reading x rays, you have to have gotten an A in Imagination 101 because sometimes you, when you, I'm looking at something, I see it, you know, this is years, and people look at the x ray, I'm trying to show them, they go, No, I, what, I, what are you looking at? It's like, it's right. What am I looking at? So um, the nipple was there. So by the time I get it out, which is three days later, four days later, because they, they couldn't come in. I was out of the office for two days last week. So we had set this up for Friday. So anyway, going in and I, I oh, my God, you can feel it in the stomach. I, I make my incision into the stomach, pull this thing out. No nipple. Oh, my God. So I look and say, where's the nipple? So now I'm combing through the entire stomach. Now, the nipple itself, that would pass through. Then I do what's called running the bowel. And I'm going through the small intestine. You know, you go past the pancreas and you're going into the, you know, what they call the duodenum. And then you go to the jejunum, uh, and then the ileum and all the different parts of the small intestine. And then you go, the hardest part to get some of these things too is the ileocecal junction. Because that is where there's a cecum, which is a vested part of the intestine. The ileum, which is the last part of the small bowel, joining the large bowel. And it's called the ileocecal junction because it's going to the colon. So I say, look, at least it's not any place where I felt. That means hopefully it's already through. It got through the ileocecal junction. Once it gets into the colon, it's usually pretty easy to come out. Anyway, long story short, send the dog home Friday afternoon. And I get a call, a text about Friday early evening, like about six o'clock, 630. Guess what? He pooped out the nipple. So um, at least that, you know, that, that was a good sign because, you know, no, nothing to worry about anymore. And the uh, dog was doing you know, well, recovering from anesthesia, of course. It's a tough anesthesia. So, um, but the uh, dog's doing great. So, uh, but I thought we'd, we'd share that. So now nothing to worry about. Nipple is out the pacifier. I had kids. I have grandkids. They have pacifiers. This thing is so, um, you could see it. If you, if you look on the videos that we did, you're going to, uh, you're going to see it. As you know, I peruse the news, what's going on. So until you guys either come up with a good question or have the courage to ask a question, <laughs> that might be the problem. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and, um, Talk some things about that i saw first of all we talked about the the court well-being uh some recalls oh some purina recalls on pro plan vet diets the elm the elemental uh the 8 and 20 pound bag just so you know if you feed that too much vitamin d remember fat-soluble vitamins can be toxic water-soluble vitamins you can take as much as you want whatever they don't use the body doesn't use it pees out but fat-soluble vitamins which are a d e and k those are the ones that you don't want to oh this is good this is good because you know there's a shortage of veterinarians any of you who have tried to get into your vet have a tough time. I hear from people that will come and see me, not because of anything about me. It's just that we say yes because, you know, I don't say no. And um, if we need to come in, if you have a problem, how can my dog been vomiting for three days? Um, oh, let's see what well, we could see you two weeks from Tuesday. No, you can't. They'll be dead two weeks from Tuesday. What's going on? So Arkansas, the state of Arkansas, the Arkansas State um, um, University Board just approved a plan for a new veterinary school in arkansas arkansas has not ever had a veterinary school so that's really cool so i'm um, looking forward to that one of my actually technicians just got into midwestern which is the, one of the newer schools in arizona in glendale arizona uh, she's ecstatic and um and that's great what shocked me is that you know professional schools as we know dental school i right hear is just as bad medical school students are graduating with debts uh, in the you know several hundred thousand dollars and this for tuition and all the things that go with it it's gonna be books and and all the equipment that you have to buy for your surgery packs and all that stuff but oh new jersey also is starting a new vet school that's good we need them we absolutely need them so anyway so she said her her annual tuition is going to be about eighty thousand dollars that's crazy that's four years that's three hundred thousand dollars debt i mean that's really nuts but that's what it is but we need more veterinary schools so anyway one thing that I tease them about, because <laughs> when I went to veterinary school, I went to Davis, right? Number one school in the country, you know, a, a couple of years, uh, every now and then it's going to be number one in the world. It's usually second to one of the, like the Royal College in England, but it's, you know, it's certainly number one in the country. And, um, and it was back then also, Some Cornell and Davis and, and Penn, they all, they all have their battles. Colorado State or Ohio state there are some really good amazing vegetables. you get in you go but anyway my tuition back then was $500 a quarter it was three quarters a so 1500 a year $6000 tuition now this didn't include other things but $6000 tuition for the four years combined well that's that's not it cost me more to send my kid to nursery for one year than it did for four years of the best veterinary school in the country and now those tuitions are just in the in the ridiculous that's really crazy but They have a student, they're going to have a lot of programs to help students with their debt. But um, uh, anyway, that's good to know. So I'm glad I went to vet school a long time ago, because that that would be, that's a hardship. That's a really hardship. So no wonder why these vets need to make so much money when they come out, because they got to pay off these student debts. It's going to to work 10, 15 years into their career before they're debt free from their, their education. That's nuts. So Another, oh, Oregon joined the, the number of states that is banning the sale of dogs and cats and bunnies and puppies. They have to be, the only thing they do, they work from shelters. This, I think, is a great idea. And um, they rescue shelter dogs or rescue dogs and they can sell them from uh, their facilities. That is allowable, but no puppies, no puppy mills anymore. So that's, that's really good. And, um, oh, springtime. This is a little warning for everybody. And that is the certain flowers. There are a lot of spring flowers and plants that are dangerous. Here's a list, daffodils, daylilies, hyacinths, regular lilies, tulips, um, and usually the toxins are concentrated in the bulbs, uh, but the stems and flowers can also be somewhat toxic, but that is something to to keep in mind. So, um, okay, my dog keeps throwing up yellow bile, but he eats treats and he poops and pees um, always in the AM. So here's what we see a lot, that when we have that yellow bile, it often comes up early in the morning or late at night, that is almost like our gastric reflux. Now you got to think about this. You know, what do we call, what's the lay term for gastric reflux? Anybody? Heartburn. So what is heartburn? Does it have anything to do with the heart? It has nothing to do with the heart. So why do they call it heartburn? Because we get this surge of this bile, which is a very acidic, that is coming up from the stomach. Usually it's when your stomach is talking to you and you get the gurgling and you get this heartburn feeling and uh, where you eat or drink something that's, that is very tough and, and you, you can feel it, the burn. So that's heartburn and but that really not it's because this stuff is coming up but we are traditionally um vertical creatures by nature so when it starts coming up and then it has to battle gravity and it usually goes back down to the stomach occasionally i mean i've had it i i'm sure i from what i talked to when i talk to people everyone's experienced it at some point and that's that kind of very acidic wet burp But well, that is because it, it came all the way up now dogs are horizontal creatures by nature so when it starts coming up it continues to come up and that is that yellow acidic bile or that phlegmy stuff that comes up. So, you know, obviously we can treat it like we would a person with reflux, you know, things like Prilosec or Pepsid. And that does work. Talk to your veterinarian. I recommend, you know, maybe giving it about 10 or 15 minutes before a late night snack. For me, here's what I recommend before going to the drugs. And that is, it usually happens late night, early morning because the stomach is very empty and the stomach is screaming with all this secretion of gastric juice. It needs some food to work on. And when it doesn't have it, they spit it up. So take about a third or a quarter of dinner, set it aside and feed it to them. Maybe before you go to bed, that'd be maybe 10 o'clock at night. And if you want, you can do the, the Pepsi or the Prilosec about 20 minutes before that. So what it does, it gives some substrate, something in the stomach. So when that late night surge happens, it has something to work on and it won't, they won't spit it up. So my recommendation usually to start is, as long as everything else is normal, like you said, eating otherwise playful, everything else is normal, then that's probably what it is. Try that first. Late night snack, see how it works. If not uh, by itself, then do the late night snack preceded by um, some, one of the, you know, pepsid, any, any of the, the antacids that we take for gastric reflux, for heartburn, things like that. So good question. We had another question and that is, first of all, it, it's a great question, but it, it's really very personal. The best I can do is give some criteria. All right. And these are questions. And, and when I talk to, to uh, owners, clients in the, in the exam room, and we're, we're reaching that point of, are we, are we getting there? And so my, my feeling is that these are the things I want you to think about. Number one, is the, does the dog seem happy? Is the dog happy anymore? Uh, number two, does he get excited to see you? Is there something that really energizes him or her at some point during the day? are they still eating? That's, that's a key. They, they need to be eating. If they're not eating anymore, they're starving. We do not want dogs starving to death. Answer this one. Is your pet living or just existing? Think about that. Living or just existing? They could be breathing. They could be there, but a bump on a log, nothing excites them. They'll eat, but it's like, do you feel sorry for them? If you start looking at your own dog or cat and feeling sorry for them, then um, that, that also is, it's telling you something. One thing is, is that it's very important to never let them suffer, all right? That's the beauty of of being able to say goodbye peacefully, painlessly, and that's the beauty of euthanasia. It's a gift. I look at it as a gift that we can give back to our pets for giving us hopefully many, many years of love and affection and sort of like this bond that we develop with them. And you don't want it to end on a bad note. So we have that luxury to be able to do it and send them off in a smooth, easy, painless way And that's how I see euthanasia. It is. It's it's a gift we give back to them. So those are some of the criteria. Start asking yourself those questions. Next, do dogs get a reaction from influenza vaccine? A dog can get a reaction from any vaccine. The ones from our experience that seem to be associated with the most vaccine reactions is a lepto vaccine, which is why, for me, it's really a lifestyle vaccine. I don't like to give it just to give it. Influenza, for me, was also lifestyle. But now we're seeing more and more cases of influenza. And these are dogs that are going to be hiking, going to, you know, now the one that if you're going to go like to a daycare frequently, you want to get the influenza. Lepto, I still reserve for animals that are doing a lot of hiking, going in the mountains, going in the canyons, where they're accessible to wild rodents, where they're urinating or defecating in the streams. Then the dogs are drinking that water. And that's how lepto is shed. So there's my caution. All right, before we keep going, I want to take a quick break for our sponsors here on Pet Life Radio. And um, don't go away.
0: How many of you have pets?
1: Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we're back here live on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram. During the break, another uh, question is Do they ever go on their own? We just talked about euthanasia. Uh, criteria what i want to think about and trust me i don't do it perfectly i made a mistake with one of our cats years and years ago and my son who now runs um, Airvet, our telemedicine platform he is a big animal nut like all my kids are and when we finally put sushi to sleep and he looked at me he goes dad we waited too long oh my god that just <laughs> that killed me so so yeah you don't want to wait too long you can never make a mistake by saying goodbye bit too early when you're getting to that point but you can make a terrible mistake by waiting too long so you don't want to wait when you you get to that point now do they ever go on their own yes they do i've had none of mine have ever done but i've had stories and you know where where the dog the cat goes to bed one night and just doesn't wake up in the morning or they come home from work and the, the the pet is gone yes it does happen unfortunately or well fortunately depending on i want to look at it they have to usually have to be in pretty bad shape for that to happen now if a dog goes on their own in the middle of doing something fun i remember one of my patients a doberman pincher with cardiomyopathy and that's a, a disease that the dobies often get and it's a heart muscle disease this dog would love to chase squirrels she's out in the backyard sees a squirrel so it's going running up a tree the dog leaps up to try to catch the squirrel obviously it would never be able to climb the tree like the squirrel does, and he fell to the ground. Out, that was it. But he was a walking time bomb. We knew that, and uh, and it, it it happened. But usually, we we have to intervene and let them go, um, in a hu- very humane way, and that's and that's what euthanasia is all about. Okay, short of more questions, I'm going to go on I some things we talked about influenza for the vaccine. Thank you very much for that question. Avian influenza H5N1. Now the one that's causing a lot of problems for us is the h3n2 and the h3n8 they're still relatively considered avian influenza but they're influences that are affecting dogs this one is a a strain of h5n1 has infected a number of cats in nebraska oregon and wyoming four of which have, have died and it comes from people that have chickens domestic chickens and cats and the cats get near the chickens and it's very transmissible as as we're seeing these avian influenza viruses can affect people dogs and, uh, you know, just be careful out there, a study, nothing new to me. I've, I've preached this for as long as I've been practicing indoor versus outdoor cats. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I am a big fan of indoor. All my cats have always been indoor. I have five cats right now indoor. And so, but as we know, and as I say, the outdoor or indoor outdoor cats, or are more likely to suffer from trauma, whether it's dog, coyotes, cars, hit by car, things like that, have cat fights. Also, infectious diseases, leukemia, feline AIDS, rabies—if they got bitten by a rabid animal. So you know it's very, very important to know that the average outdoor cat in Los Angeles, for example, lives about four to six years, whereas an indoor-only cat can go anywhere from fourteen to eighteen years. One of my cats now is seventeen, and he's doing great. So you know you just have to know that my recommendation is that if you are if you have cats, uh, you want to um, keep them if possible indoor if you can. Now, can you change an outdoor cat into an indoor cat? Yes. Sometimes with difficulty, but I have done it. My, one of my favorite cats, I have this black cat named Black Ninja. He is the most lovable and sociable cat on the planet, right? He was an outdoor only cat. He was a stray and he kept coming by the house. He, my daughter was sitting outside one day and made that mistake and fed him. Oh my God. If you, if you want to have a cat, an outdoor stray cat, feed him. He'll become your best friend. So anyway, ultimately we, came, we we took him in, he, no chip, put notices out. No one claimed this. point. This cat was so amazing. He is so funny now. You can have a door. At first, of course, he would try to get out of every door, every open window. But now you can have a, a front door wide open. He'll walk up to that threshold, take a peek in both directions. Nah, right back inside. He's got a pain. So um, no, I am uh, a, a big uh, fan of indoor cats. More for their safety. i have got a farm somewhere yeah you know, of course you can have a an indoor outdoor cat but in the city i'd go indoor oh talk about ticks and fleas mosquitoes i've been talking about this and now it looks like it's happening another study came out here in california especially southern california because of the very wet winter we had with all the rain these mosquitoes are ripe there is a two species of mosquitoes that have adapted to our drier climate and with the heat all right and the, all the wet that's going to increase humidity anyway so the experts are predicting a very tough mosquito season this year. I have already sitting, chilling in my backyard, reading in the you know, late, late afternoon, early evening and swatting mosquitoes. So for those of you who have not had your dogs on mosquito heartworm prevention, I would 100% talk to your vets. You get a very inexpensive heartworm test. Make sure they're negative and start them on heartworm prevention. The most popular ones are the monthlies. They're oral. There are also uh, injections. There's one called ProHeart 6, one called ProHeart 12. That one's very expensive. I don't do it. You know, with all these, the, the fact that we're so used to giving our once a month tick, there's also two of the products of the monthly flea tick products that are flea tick and heartworm. And those are Cridelio, puts out Credilio Plus. And Simparica puts out Semperica Trio. The Trio and the Plus are added heartworm prevention. So now it's one monthly chewable. We'll take care of fleas, ticks, and heartworm. And that would be my recommendation. But yeah, don't, don't ignore the potential threat of heartworm disease now, actually now, going through summer, and we'll see how it goes. And not that this is going to be a surprise to any of us. It wasn't a surprise to me, but now the American Vet Med Association, the AVMA, and the American Psychiatric Association actually got together, doing studies, collaborated, and guess what? That there are lots of benefits to pet parenting, pet ownership. Duh! So decreased stress, decreases feelings of isolation, providing a social like a social bridge, encourages physical activity, etc. All these things. Um, not to mention the the positive effect that kids have. We've talked about that before. We call it the healing power of pets, uh, coined by my good friend Marty Becker. But no, these are um, uh, I mean, so many, so many advantages to that bond and it's good for us. It's good for them. So again, if you are out, get a pet, you'll see what we mean. I, you know, I'm in awe when I'm, I'm i talk to young couples that they're pet. And I always ask, so do you have pets growing up and I'm amazed how many of them said, no, I've never had a pet. My parents never let us have pets. And I go, oh my God. And now they're seeing what they were missing. How do you, It's unreal. So I mean, Mike, I grew up with pets, never, never been without a pet. My kids have grown up pets and now my grandkids all have pets. So it's uh, I got to tell you, it, it is a must in my opinion. So from Jennifer, hello, my dog uh, gets up cardiac, and they found nodules in her spleen. And how risky is surgery? Thank you so much. So my recommendation is this, depending on the age of the dog, the size of the dog, but the dogs can live without a spleen. Right? So if there are nodules, and it depends how big they are, but if sometimes they sometimes it can be totally benign. Um, but the surgery itself, i hate to use the word routine but i do splenectomies all the time and i do them on spleens that have ruptured and so they're bleeding out and there's blood all over the abdomen and we still you want to do it. you don't want to sit on it so the question is ask yourself is it better to go in now as an elective procedure because nothing's happened yet none of these um remove the spleen of course you'd want to get a, a biopsy to see if they were or are tumors or wait and possibly possibly that spleen will rupture and if it happens in the middle of the night, you wake up to a dead dog. So what's the risk? Look at the risk and, uh, and, and the, the pros and cons, the benefits versus risk advantage of doing it now as an elective procedure, even if you find out after the fact you didn't, probably didn't need to, or not doing it, having it be something bad that ruptures and bleeds, and then you either have a dead dog or you're doing emergency surgery. And again, there's, there's no right answer. There's no, as I say, the day I graduated veterinary school, almost 39 years ago my crystal ball broke and no one's been able to fix it since then so i have no idea any of you have a working a functional crystal ball look into it and see what it says but for those of us that don't have one we have to make these judgment decisions based on the pros and cons what happens if we wait it shouldn't have what happens if we didn't wait and then you find that you could have i go with the former any nodules anywhere on any organ could be disastrous and yet you don't want to wait for it to become bigger, bigger. Hey, second thing they can do is just monitor them for a little while. Because if they're really small nodules, they probably won't rupture. But if they start getting bigger and the splenic wall, right, will get thinner as these stretch. And that's how they rupture. And you just don't want to, you don't want to be faced with that emergency. Let's put it that way. So, um, and I just said, splenectomy itself in the hands of someone who does them is, you know, look, I never would say any surgery is routine, but when you get sarcomas in the spleen and they rupture, you want to take care of it. Ah, here's Eloise tried in 100% Remove the spleen. My dog died because it ruptured. That's my point. You don't want to ever kick yourself in the behind. Darn it. I would have, should have, could have. I should have taken the spleen way back. And I agree. That's why I would say for me, I would take it and not risk the uh, the potential for something really bad happening. Okay. So that's all what we have time for today. So um, Mark, I know is, is dying to get off the show here. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway. For those of you who have more questions, you can always get to reach me. can reach me, at petliferadio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or here on Instagram, just send me an Instagram uh, message, and I will get back to you. If you have anything that you don't want to talk about on air, but you want to talk about it privately, get a hold of me on Instagram. That is fine. And uh, as I said, you can send me anything you send to Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff Pet Life Radio. I will get, if you like, leave me your phone number. I will call you back. Maybe we'll do it on, on video. You can go on to, to AirVet and we can have a video chat so I can see your pet while we talk about him or her. So that is the best way to go. Anyway, otherwise, have a great week, everybody. Next week, Mark, we're here. We're here next week. I'm here next week. So please join me next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Well, hopefully, same bad channel, but hopefully it works right from the beginning. It didn't today. I don't know why a weak connection, but look how perfect it is. All right. Anyways, have a great week, everybody. Have a super day, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on
0: PetLifeRadio.com.